us into God's presence. I want to thank you for being here. My name is Joe Centineo. Most of you know me. Thank you so much. And uh, I am the pastor of the church. And we have been, uh, well, a couple of things. Savion told me I needed to rec recognize a birthday today for Ellie Arp. And it's Ellie's birthday. So when a, when a, when a young youngster comes over and tells you, Savion, how old are you, 12, 13? 12, when a 12-year-old comes and says, hey, you need to mention this person's birthday, you just do it when you're the pastor. You just do what they say. So I did that for you. Um, also, uh, I wanted to, um, to let you know that we have this thing called My Story. We've been doing testimonies uh, every Tuesday night, and then we bring them into Sunday morning, and we're going to do that this morning. And Dominique Jones is going to come, and I asked her to give an extended testimony. We usually give about five minutes, but she's going to take a little bit longer, and you can start making your way up, Dominique. I heard the part of her story on Tuesday. It was awesome, and, and, uh, and then I'm going to come up and do a short sermonette. But um, I wanted you to know that these my stories have been, come on over here, isn't this a beautiful woman right here? Brock, you did well. In fact, you did better than you should, just like me. So we marry above ourselves. And so I wanted you to know that, that Travis is working on all of these my stories we've done. They are actually going to be put on video. We're going to redo them, videotape them, and then put them on our webpage in a section called My Stories so that people can know the stories of our amazing people. Dominique, would you just go ahead and, and uh, it's all, do you want this? No, you don't need this. Oh, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay, great. Help me out, honey. There we go. No, I'm good. I'm good this morning. Oh, how do I follow that? Wow. Worship team, thank you for pressing in personally because now it's overflowing to us, and I want to thank y'all. I'm going to read these scriptures because all of this is about to go out of the window. So <laughs> these two scriptures really have anchored me through my journey. Luke 9 and 23, I know about heart, but this Passion Translation version is just powerful. Luke 9, 23 in the Passion says, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. And then Philippians 3, 7 through 8, this is kind of a life verse for me. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them. And I regarded as all nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. As I prayed about what the Lord would have me share, you know, the typical story, we usually focus on one area. And I felt like the Lord really wanted me to highlight three pivotal points in my journey with him. And my journey, oh my gosh, these song, this worship set was almost like a soundtrack of my walk with the Lord. He had to tear down my house that I was building, my kingdom that I was building, so I could build my life on him and begin building his kingdom. And my journey, the fire, the refining that I went through was to teach me, one, who I was in him, it helped redefine who he was to me, and it taught me how to really listen and, and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
in Christianity, we tend to focus on that moment of salvation, this one point when we meet Jesus. But can I tell you, that's just the beginning. That is just the beginning. He doesn't want us to stay there and camp at the cross. He wants us to move past that and walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and our giftings and our callings so that we can transform the world. And so I'm going to share my journey, not for you to be discouraged, not for you to feel sorry for me, but for you to be inspired because the days will get darker. We're going to face some suffering. We're going to have to endure. Jesus said, take up my cross. What is my, his cross? It's sacrifice, not for sacrifice sake, for others so others will come to know God the Father. So I came from a family. You know, our faith in our family is usually our foundation. So mine was broken. It was jacked up, y'all, just to be honest. I grew up in religion. I won't call it out, but a religion where we were told we had to go through a man to get to God. I couldn't have a personal relationship with God. And I had to work. I had to do things. I had to pray certain prayers so many times to get forgiveness or to get in God's good graces. So I knew nothing about relationship. And then my family, I experienced a lot of rejection. I was a third of four kids, always felt like the black sheep. I wanted to be a daddy's girl, but my dad just had his own stuff. So I found myself just performing and working and trying to overachieve just to get attention and acceptance and, and love that every child should have. And so when I was nine, my parents got divorced. You know, my dad just had his stuff. We, we all do. Um, but he made a decision, and my mom forced him, listen, you're going to choose this family or you're going to choose this woman. He chose the woman, and that destroyed me to hear my father tell me that. And unfortunately, our parents, our upbringing often taints our perception of God. So my perception of God was filtered through my experience with my father. So I grew up, I had a lot of bitterness in my heart, a lot of malice in my heart. A lot of pride and self-righteousness, right? Because, I listen, I was my own woman. I had to make my own way because my family wasn't helping me. And so when I was 19, I was in college. I had bought my first house. I'm in college at a prestigious college because that was important to me. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted all the letters behind my name. I wanted to make as much money as I could so I could feel good about myself. From high school, from the age of 16, I was sexually promiscuous. Why? Because I was trying to fill this empty void, this lack of love, and feel something. And when we don't have it, we look in all the wrong places. So it took me at the age of 21, in the year of 2005, when Hurricane Katrina hit, God used that. Not that he sent it, not that he desired it, but God works all things together for good. He used that storm, that tragedy, to shake my foundation of my house and my empire that I was building so that I could recognize my need for him. So I went through a six-month depression. I worked for the city, so I actually had to stay four days into Hurricane Katrina. So you can imagine at 21, that's pretty traumatic. So I went into this deep, dark depression. But what it allowed me and forced me to do was look inward and really examine my life that I thought on the outside was going well. You know, I had it put together, I thought. Um, you know, I compared. I didn't think I was doing a lot of bad, but I justified it. wasn't. It wasn't right. But right, that's self-righteousness and pride. So 
in a, in a God's way of moving me, which he has an interesting way of doing that, I moved from Louisiana to Houston just to visit a guy I was dating. But there was something, I didn't know he was leading me, but I felt like there was something in Texas for me. And so I left everything behind. <laughs> I'll get there. I left everything behind, my family, my house, all of the stuff that I accumulate, I left it behind. And I just followed this leading. I didn't know it was the Holy Spirit. Had a round trip ticket, never went back. And it was the best first decision that I ever made. And in that six months, I just was desperate for something different. So I found a church. It was nobody that invited me, nobody that led me. It was this yearning in me to find out who I was. And you have to go back to the creator. And so I did. I went on this journey of just learning and growing and God, tell me who I am. Tell me who you are. And I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that totally transformed my life. Remember, I grew up in religion, so I was the type. I sat like this, arms folded. And when the preacher said, raise your hand, I'm in my head. Y'all, I had so much rebellion in my heart before I came to Christ, right? I'm not doing that. You can't tell me what to do. That's not necessary. And one day, the Holy Spirit just got a hold of me. And when I tell you, when God does something for you, you can't help you can't help but express it. God made us emotional beings. He's an emotional being. We should express our worship. I love what Brock said. Worship is a response of all we are to who God is, all he is. It's not a song. It's not a dance. It's a response in our everyday life. But I had to, I had to go through a lot to figure that out. So when I accepted the Lord at 22, that was just, remember, that was the first crossroads. I had a decision to make. Am I going to take Dominique off the throne and put Jesus on the throne? Am I going to lay down my desires and my selfish ambition so that I can pursue God's ambition, his dreams for my life? And that was a hard decision. It was okay to leave the stuff behind, but to, for me to relinquish control, that was hard. But he taught me. I was homeless for a while, couch surfing. Went through a lot for a young woman, seven-year period. Got married. I met Brock when I moved to Houston. That was part of God's plan. Um, but we went through a lot. Shout out to the, the young couples that are meeting right now. We didn't have that. So it's so important. Lean into those couples, strong couples that can mentor you. We didn't have that. So part of that, that struggle was part of shaping me. And I learned how to lean on the Lord. But it brought me to my second crossroads. You know, once we endured, we were separated for a year on the verge of divorce. We had both given up. God knew we needed a son to tie us a little bit of glue to hold us together so we couldn't just forget about each other. But in that time, God healed my heart. There was roots of, of my past, my hurts with my dad that was affecting my ability to respect and love my husband. And God had to deal with that, but I had to invite the Holy Spirit into that. And so once we got to a healthier place, God then brought me to another crossroads, a point of decision. Are you going to really let go of your desire, right? I still wanted to pursue my um, degree and, and get back. Even though I had a kid, I wanted to get back in school. And there was a point I remember, fall 2012, that he said, if you love me, feed my sheep in John 21. And I was like, okay, yes, God, I'll, I'll do anything you ask me to do. He was asking me to give up my dream and my aspiration to pursue his. And what for me, what that was, was studying missions. 
And that was a hard decision. We gave up. I just found out I was pregnant with our second child. We left a comfortable home that we had in North Dallas to move to Oak Cliff and go to Christ for the Nations. And God wanted me to just focus on missions. He didn't want me to get all the seminary theology experience, very narrow focus, just study about cultures. But I learned so much more about marriage. I told him that on Tuesday. Thought I was going to learn about missions. Um, but I learned how to appreciate my husband and our differences and how God wanted to use that for us to build and expand his kingdom together. And so in that year, eight months into my pregnancy, I remember the day before I was at a, this prayer meeting and this woman prophesied over me. She said, you're going to be a mother of nations. And I thought, OK, you know, we can hear God's word and think we know what that means. And the next day in chapel, we had chapel every Wednesday. I worshiped God, kind of like today, just the presence of God was so tangible. And I worshiped, I was on my knees and just thanking God for how he had moved throughout my life and in my marriage. And he had called me for something. Finally, I knew what he created me for. And hours later, I find myself in a hospital and they can't find the heartbeat. And I knew what that meant, but she couldn't tell me. And my husband wasn't with me. I didn't have family with me. But God was with me. He was with me in that fire. Even though it was turned up seven times hotter, he was with me. And I want to encourage you that whatever you're in, whatever you're facing, God is with you and he's for you. And it won't, you'll come out, you won't be burned. You won't even smell like smoke, but it's refining you. It's preparing you for the purpose he has. And somehow, someway, he is going to work it out for good. And he did. I cannot tell you how we worship. You know, it's funny. Worship, we think it's all this and that. Worship, it's a life that's laid down. A life that says, God, whatever you want. If you want to raise this baby from the dead, I know you can do it. But if you don't, you're still worthy of praise. And Brock and I worshiped in that hospital room. Those people probably thought we were crazy, but it's all we knew to do. It's all we knew to do. And I'll never forget the doctor. It wasn't my doctor. It was a woman. And I could see the tears as she's watching me give birth to this child. And tears are welling down. So in my follow-up meeting, I said, doctor, it was just something about that doctor. Can you tell me what's going on with her? And he told me that was her last delivery because she had made a decision. I don't know if it was before my stillbirth or after, but she made a decision to leave her practice to raise her daughter. So it took me losing a daughter for her to make a decision to change her life and her daughter's life forever. And if that's all God got out of it, it's worth it. I never asked God why, but he told me, except a seed fall to the ground and die, it can't bear fruit. And that was fruit. But though we, did, we gave birth to her and couldn't keep her, God also birthed this beautiful vision called Transform Us Movement. In that same year, in the same year, we began doing outreach and going on short-term missions trip and just sharing the hope that we found in Christ. And that evolved into this uh, mentorship program for young adults. So he kept his promise that I would be a mother of nations. Because I got to sow seeds in East Africa and in Honduras and all in India. He kept his promise. And I may never see those kids. I get to see kids like Derek 
and Freddie, shout out to Derek, ones that I get to disciple and pour into now, and my kids, my beautiful kids. But God never wastes any experience, any opportunity. And so the third crossroads, right? I'm now finding my purpose. I'm walking in it. I'm feeling fulfilled, full of joy. There's nothing like doing the thing that God created you to do. It doesn't feel like work. I mean, we when you build something, Pastor Joe knows, from the ground up, you pour everything, your life, your time, your money into it. And so seven years into Transform Us Movement, which is last year, 2020, right? 2020 was a challenge for most of us. But can I tell you, for whatever reason, our family thrived in the midst of COVID. I can't even explain it. It was the best time, think favor, like crazy, doors opening. But I still felt something familiar, this anguish, like, gosh, what is this? Seven years, like when I lost, leading up to losing Mariah. And when September came around, I, I met that, that fork in the road, that, that other, that third crossroads. And the Lord was calling me to lay down that other baby transform us mind you let me go back so God in his faithfulness we lost a daughter but two years later he blessed us with Sanaya raise your hand Sanaya and she's a beautiful rainbow baby and two years later she was born one exactly one week prior to us losing Mariah on our anniversary yeah that's a story for another time <laughs> So two years later, he gave us double for our trouble. Two girls that we got. So God is faithful. He restores. But last year was seven years from, from that point when he birthed Transformers Movement. But he was calling me to lay it down and take up another cross, another assignment for the kingdom. And that was the hardest thing, like, God, but this is a vision you gave me. It's a vision I carried. It's a vision I work. I look, I work so hard to build, and you want me to let it go? And he's like, yes, it can live without you. <laughs> if it doesn't, then I didn't build it. So a third point of sacrifice, laying down, we all in this room can find ourselves at one of these points. Either we knew in our walk, or maybe we haven't yet accepted Christ, or maybe we're going through the fire being refined, and we're experiencing loss financially or through family, or maybe we're at that third crossroads where we're, we've been walking with the Lord, and we've been faithful, but he's like, okay, but I have something else for you to do. And we have a choice to surrender we have a choice to lay down our desires and trust him in the process. And I want to tell you, he's faithful. He will give you the grace to do it. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's better that I go so the Spirit can come. The Spirit will give you the grace to endure whatever challenge or trial that you're in. And he will lead you to truth about who you are. He will lead you into truth about who he is. And he will give you the comfort, everything, the instruction that you need to live out this life. So I love y'all. I hope you're encouraged. Um, I want you to keep fighting the good fight of faith because the world needs us. The world needs to see hope and joy in us, in the midst of the fire. Love y'all. Thank you so much, Dominique. So now, um, 
and, and you know, what I want you to do, I don't want you to try and remember everything you're experiencing. I just want you to feel it. And then the Spirit of God will, will cause you to know how to respond. But that was, of course, um, what a beautiful story of God's working. And it was on Tuesday night. Or actually, it was last Sunday morning when I was preaching that the Lord said, Joe, you're going to take a break from Hebrews. If you're visiting, I usually teach verse by verse through the Bible. And he let me know. I, I told the ones in the second service, I'm not sure I'm going to continue in Hebrews next week. But I think something special is coming, and then it began, it was percolating in my heart, and then when you shared on Tuesday, I knew this was going to be a part, a big part of today, and now I'm going to tell you, um, I have something really important to share with you this morning. Before I do that, I just want to let you know, God is at work at Crossroads. God is doing new things, new things. So if you've been here for a long time, it's starting to feel a little different, and just allow the Lord to do what it is that he wants to do. He keeps bringing people to us. So Dane Hartley is here. Dane, would you stand up for a second? You probably don't know this. Dane comes, but Dane's a missionary. He's leaving for Africa, uh, for Kenya on Thursday, and he'll be there for six months, right? Teaching, four months teaching in a Bible school. Isn't that great? And we didn't even know. So you can sit, uh, have a seat, Dane. But on Tuesday night, Dane's coming to the prayer meeting, and we are going to gather around him and we're going to pray and send him off. And then Gino is going to contact you. Gino's right there. Uh, and he's going to make sure that we have a way to contact you and for you to contact us. And we're going to be praying for you in the four months while you're there. And then you, when you come back, you're going to update us and share uh, what God's done. So if you'll allow us to, we would like to just, just partner with you in this step. And we don't want anything in return other than to know that we're praying for you and supporting you. So when you go to Africa, my favorite place on the planet, that we're kind of going with you, okay? So you're not alone. All right. So, um, yeah, you can give him a hand because it's not everyone that just picks up and leaves, and he goes there on a regular basis. So um, there's, the Lord put something on my heart, and I want to share it with you this morning. It comes from, we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Revelation chapter 3, uh, in Revelation 2 and 3, there are messages given to seven churches, okay? And I think at different times, every church can fit into one of those categories. And um, as I read through this, I, I noticed that we fit into uh, maybe the message that was given in the Scripture to these literal churches in Asia Minor. Uh, this particular one to the church in Sardis, it really fits... It's kind of, I believe, a message for Crossroads, Arlington, today. So let me share it with you. And I think it, it really has to do not so much with the past, though I'll allude to the past, but it has to do with where we're going, where we're going. So it says, uh, it starts in chapter 3, verse 1, and we're going to put the words up to the scripture. Um, it says, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write, and um, I don't see the scriptures yet. Hopefully, they'll come up, and if not, it's okay. By the way, we're not a show. Can I remind you something about Crossroads? This is not a show, even though we're on TV, okay? But it's not a show. This is the living organism called the church that gathers. That's what this is, okay? Okay. Um, the angel of the church refers to the pastor of the church. 
So it says, and to the pastor of the church in Sardis, write this. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, that's a reference to Jesus, okay? And, and so this is a message from Jesus to these literal churches that existed in Asia Minor in the first century, but I think has application to us today, okay? So you get it? All right. So he said to this church, and I'm saying to us, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive. But you are dead. You say, what? Yeah. Crossroads has a reputation, but for the last few years, we've been dead. Walking dead. Unwilling to step into what God has for us. Okay. And I have to take responsibility for that, right? So you say, Joe, are you... You're really kind of coming down hard on you. What do you mean on you? This message was to the pastor of the church. So this is a message from, to me, and now I'm passing it on to you. Okay? You have a reputation. Wow, that's the church. that I've been in this town for a long time in Arlington. Okay? And, and I had a youth ministry that was very, 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 very large, much larger than this church, just the youth ministry. And I have a reputation, but I have to say the church I've been leading uh, until recently has good reputation, dead. I know when a church is dead. I know when my messages are being heard and received, but not responded to. Okay? He says in verse 2, wake up. Wake up. And strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. So he says, wake up because a dying church eventually dies unless they change. So we are in the process. This has been going on underground for quite some time. But we, and I actually believe, I shouldn't tell you this because then you're going to lay up. I actually believe we've already changed. Underground, we've already changed. We've already, the church has turned around and is now moving in the right direction. Now it's time, and it started with me and the staff. Me and the staff and the elders and now you. Okay? Wake up. Strengthen what remains. There's still something alive. It's still a little heartbeat, but is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. We have been called as a church. I started the church, so I get to actually, I remember. November, the first Sunday in November is 19 years. We were called to do great things, not to be a large church, to be a smaller church, not as small as we've become, a smaller church, but fruitful. To send people out into the mission field, Dane, to recognize, actually, we didn't send him, to recognize those that he sends and to get behind them and to support them in prayer and any way that they might need it. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be a church that is here for God and for people. Then when people walk in these doors, that they are overwhelmed with love. 
So that when we show up here, it's not for us, even though we're going to worship God with all our heart, but we're going to get out of ourselves, and we are going to make every visitor that walks in feel overwhelmed with love and acceptance. We're not going to talk to our friends when we get together, as nice and comfortable as that is, but on the Sunday mornings when we gather, we're going to seek out those who God brings to us so they never want to leave. And when they do leave, we're going to send them with our love and blessing because our mission is not about building the little church. It's about building the big kingdom of God. Okay. That's what we're called to do. You say, Joe, when did that happen? Read my book. If you're here, please, if you've not gotten and read my book, pick one up. Gino, you're probably going to have to get some more. They're in the closet. You know where they are, right? Okay. The closet. It's a little closet there. Okay. Because I came from the mega church, one in New York City, one in California, and one here. And when I left the third church as a youth pastor, I was done with church. I said, I wasn't done with Jesus. I'll never be done with Jesus. In fact, it's just beginning, right? Just beginning, and it's going to continue, right? Dominique, you said it well, and I keep getting closer and closer to him. He keeps looking better and better. But when I left that third mega church, I was done with church. I said, God, no more. No mas. I speak Spanish, by the way, if you didn't know that, okay? No mas. Why? Not worth my life. What's not worth your life? The churches I was a part of. And I'm not targeting those churches. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, I said, what am I doing? I'm giving my life to it, but it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And I determined to plant a church that was worth giving my life to. I've given my life to this church for 19 years, and I'm hoping to give my life to this. I give my life to other things as well. But I'm hoping to do that for the rest of my life, if the Lord allows me to. But we're starting to become what I try to get away from. We have to change. And it involves waking up. We, I'm awake now. Do you notice that? I'm awake. And the staff is awake now. We're awake, and we're going somewhere. We're letting the Holy Spirit lead us, and now it's time for you to wake up. So um, he says, remember that, remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at the hour I will come against you. God comes to a church that supposedly is for him, but is against us. Possible, Brock? It's possible. You see, when we begin to misrepresent the king, we're not helping build the kingdom. You get it? When a person walks in this place and leaves and says, wow, love the music, love the pastor, love the sermon, but I don't know. The people don't seem like they, they recognized us. They don't seem like they want us. And when I hear this over and over and over, and when I hear people telling me over and over and over again, the years, all these past maybe four and a half years or so, Joe, it's not you. I know what's coming next. Isn't that a relation? Remember the Seinfeld? It's not you. 
when they break up with girls, and George Costanza said, that's my line. A girl said to him, George, it's not you. And he said, wait a second, that's my line. I'm the one that says it's not you. But you know how many times I've heard the term, not in regards to a girlfriend, but in regards to a person that God brought to this place to be part of this work that he's called us to do. And I am the angel of the church, meaning just symbolic. I'm the pastor. And they say, Joe, it's not you, but we're leaving. I can't take it anymore, guys. I can't take it, but I'm not quitting. You know why? This is the church that God gave me to lead, so it must be something I'm doing or probably not doing. Holding the bar up high and reminding us how the body of Christ operates. It says, um, I'll come if you don't repent like a thief. You will not know the hour that I will come against you. Hadn't happened yet. He was here this morning. Did you sense it during the worship time? By the way, we really want you here on time. Why? Because we begin to worship. You know what I told my staff? I said, we have prayer meetings, and people wander in late. And I said, I want you early for the prayer meeting because it's the most important thing that we do as a staff. So I want you early coming in expectation of what's actually going to take place. Same thing for you. We're going to be changing the service times. We're not exactly sure. We think we know the staff has been thinking, praying, talking about it, and, but we need a little more time. But when we, by the way, the people in, in the 1105 service, we're thinking it's going to go 915 and 11 o'clock so that we can have the time to do the things we need to do. We need a little more time. But do you know at 11 o'clock, they start showing up at about 1120. <laughs> now, I noticed this morning, most of you were here early. And again, if you come late, we're not saying stay home. We're not saying, we're not trying to be wise, guys. What we're saying is we want you to have an expectation that when you gather, we gather as a church, we're going to worship God. So it's important to us to try to be early, but certainly on time. And if we come late, we still come late. Nobody's going to judge you. No, but it's, it, when everybody's coming late, it means that we, we forgot why we're gathering. We'll let you know when the change comes. Let me just finish this passage, just a couple more verses. It says, yet you still have a few names in Sardis, this church, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There are many of us. In Sardis, there were a few. There are many of you that are walking with God. You just need me to lead you a little bit better, and that's what I'm trying to do now. You just need a staff that's a little more committed to you as an individual because, listen, as one of the reasons I was so disillusioned with the big church is because people weren't known. You see, in this church, I want to know the people I pastor so I know that God is going to keep the church. And I don't want to be the only one. I want me and the staff to know, and I want you to know each other so that when someone needs a kidney, that there are 16 people that are willing to be tested to see if, and I'm one of them, to see if we can give Bruce a kidney. Now that's a church. That's the church God laid in my heart. And when a guy named Dane Hartley is getting ready to go for four months, that we're going to get behind him, we're going to get to know him, and we're going to be praying for him. And when he comes back, he's going to know that there's a group of people that are waiting for him to come back. 
And when Ian and Kate, by the way, Ian and Kate have a place to live, they'll be moving in this week. We need furniture. We'll tell you about that in a second if I ever finish, okay? It's why we're going to try and make the service a little bit longer, okay? That's the kind of church that we want to be. And God is bringing to us people to help us be that kind of church. But when you wake up, you act differently than when you're asleep, and you're going to see the church. We're going we're gonna to allow the Spirit of God to take us down the road that he has for us. Diversity is a big part of it, and it's happening, and we need to celebrate it. Diversity in all different ways. We want people to come here and to be able to feel comfortable, whoever they are. We park everything at the door. I don't care what's happening in Minneapolis, what they're writing about in Portland. I don't care what anyone says, what happens in Washington. I don't care. We rise above rate. We don't try and beat racism. It's not going to be beaten in America, but we just, it just never happens here. That I can control. I can't control what's happened politically. We don't even know what's happening. We're not going to argue about what's happening out there. But in this place, in this church, if you are a human being, then you are, we're all the same. And even as the pastor of this church, if I was tall enough, I would preach from right down here to remind you that we're all on the same level. There's one pedestal, and the only one that's on that pedestal is Jesus Christ. That's who we are, and that's what we're going to be. Now... It says, the one who conquers, that's going to be us. We're going to fulfill, we're going to reach our destiny as a church. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his or her name out of the book of life. I will confess his or her name before my father and before the angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here's what I'm doing this morning as I'm going to wrap up. I am calling out to people who hear. Now listen to me. He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says. So if you are saying, man, I thought Crossroads is great. I don't think anything's wrong. Or I'm really happy with the level of involvement I have, and that's great. And, and again, I, I see uh, my friends are back now. Uh, Rana, it's great to see you. And Derek, great to see you too. I'm sure Leslie and Greg will be here in the second service, I hope. So, um, and if you've been away for a while and you've come back, that's great. If you're online, great. But if you are sensing God calling you to help us take this church where it needs to be, I need you to consecrate yourself to that work. I need you to join with me and with our staff. I've worked with our staff. I had to work behind the scenes, and I've worked, and, and it's not that it was me not leading properly. That's what it was. And now I am, and now they're with me and excited. You notice the worship team? Do you notice a difference? Because we've unleashed Tanya. We've unleashed her to do what's in her. Dominique, we have to get, I told you this last week, we need more of Dominique at Crossroads. How many agree with that, right? When we listen to you speak, there's a calling, there's an anointing, and uh, we need more of you. It, but it's him working through you. And you have to receive that, okay? Because it's him working through you. And there are lots of you that are here. There's something for you to do. And I want to ask you to do this as I close out our time in prayer. If you're willing to say, now, I don't need everyone. I don't need ev what I want everyone, kind of. But I don't need everyone. But I need those of you 
that are hearing the Spirit of God calling you to step into um, a time where the church is, is waking up and we're moving forward to reach our destiny. And if that's something that you feel God is calling you to be a part of, to stand with me and to help forge forward. Now, listen, again, I'm not saying if you stay in your seat, I'm going to ask you to come forward, by the way. We don't do that a lot at Crossroads, do we? I'm going to ask you to actually, if you feel that, to get out of your seat. In fact, you can start doing it now. Get out of your seat and just come up here and just kneel before the altar here. So, um, but if, you're, if you stay in your seat, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means that God's not using you, needing you at this point in time. We're going to forge it for you. But if you want to join me, if you feel God is calling you to join me, leave your seat and come up. So, Dalton, can I mention, just released from, from, from prison on Friday. It was an accident that just kind of did him wrong, and, and he made a mistake. He served 22 months, and he told me God changed his life there. God changed his life. And here he is. Like he said, I'll be there that first Sunday morning. And you didn't realize that God was actually preparing you, Dalton Heston, to come and help us. You were in, in a prison leading prayer meetings and everything else, and God was preparing you to come here. You kept talking about the church, that beautiful church. I can't wait to come to the beautiful church. And I was saying, oh, my gosh, I want to make it beautiful before he gets here because I don't want to let him down. But God actually intended that you would help us become what he needs us to be. Now, there's enough people here that, and, and then just come forward, and, I'm gonna, and you can start playing now. In fact, just play your music and and again, sitting there doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. It just means that the Holy Spirit has not yet called you. Maybe you already are. I'm looking at Greg Mulkey. We can't squeeze anything else out of you, Greg, right? Okay, three-hour elders meetings on Thursday night and all kinds of things. But God is calling us to together. Listen, here's the beauty. I'm going to get on my knees. I want to be on the same height as you. So I'm on my knees, you're on your knees, and we're the same height, but I got two feet on you, okay, Brian? So it's going to be with Jesus leading the way and we together moving the church. We don't make the church grow. God causes the growth. We plant the seeds, we water, but God causes the growth. So I'm consecrating myself, setting myself aside to be used by God to do my part. And I ask you now, in this time of prayer, do the same. Just say, Lord, whatever my part is, Dane, I see you're up here now. So you, it's probably going to be you praying for us while you're in that university in Africa, but it's going to be us praying for you. And when you come back, sharing with us and um, just consecrate yourself to the Lord now. Say, Lord, I'm yours. Show me what needs to be done. Lord, I'm yours. Show me what I need to do. Use me, Lord. I'm available to be used. I'm awake. I'm awake. And I want to be part of the work. You're giving us a chance, Lord. We were dying but not dead. And now you're reviving us. Lord, I'm praying. I'm leading you in a prayer. Lord, use me however it is that you desire. 
Spirit of the Lord Those of you that are up front now, just allow, just allow the Spirit of God to move through you, to empower you. We don't want you to do anything in your own strength. God's going to provide the strength and the direction. Those of you that are seated, would you reach out a hand and pray for those of us that feel called at this time to lead the way. So you pray for us. Except those of you that came forward it's just a thought that I had last night when I was in my hot tub if you're new here I pray in my hot tub so when I say that it's not I wasn't taking a soak I was taking a prayer Tuesday night at 7 o'clock we have a prayer meeting and I want to ask you to start to try to come to the prayer meeting to experience an amazing blessing to pray for the church to be a part of what's happening here. It's the furnace of the church are our prayer times. Provides the power. 
that we need to move forward. So that'll be your first action step. And you'll and Friday night they're going to talk about it a second. We have an amazing event. It's going to be called it's called Artful Expressions. I finally got it right. Artful Expressions. Uh, you're going to see a video that tells about it. It's going to be a great time to come, enjoy fellowship, and and invite new people to be a part of our family. Lord, we come before you now. Lord, we we get the message. We get it from your word from Sardis. Lord, I believe. It applies to us today, and I believe you're not done with us yet. And Lord, by, by, by your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit that lives within me, would you help me to lead us to, to the place that you would have us to be? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.